It's trade deadline day. Get ready. We have episodes coming all day here on the BS Podcast. Three, maybe four. Who knows? Stay tuned. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about Five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where we'll be covering the NBA trade deadline with the Mismatch Podcast, the Ringer NBA Show, Ryan Rosillo's podcast. Just get ready all week. Buckle up. On this podcast, we're going to be putting up episodes all day. I'm taping this right now. It is around 10.30 Pacific time. On the day of the trade deadline, we just found out that the Harden trade happened. We'll be talking about that in one second with Chris Ryan, Rob Mahoney, Kevin O'Connor. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. Pacific time, AM, the James Harden hostage crisis is over. Thank God he was able to get what he wanted. I felt so bad for him, you know, toiling away in Brooklyn there for 11, 12 months. Just so unhappy. He is getting traded to Philly. The trade is, Chris Ryan, tell us the trade. Uh, The trade is James Harden goes to Philadelphia. Ben Simmons, Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, and two first round picks go to Brooklyn, New York. We are here with Kevin O'Connor and Rob Mahoney for part one of the trade deadline Palooza pod. KOC, I told you the Seth Curry thing on Sunday night on this podcast. People, they were like, well, Simmons, but that was the trade really since Friday. What took so long for them to just agree on the trade? What do you think Brooklyn was holding out for? More haggling, more negotiating. Maybe it was the multiple first round draft picks in there. And Philly didn't want to give Seth Curry. They didn't want to. They would rather have given a cork boss and a seal, a Danny Green. And this is the compromise. But ultimately, though, here, th- this is a win for the Sixers, though. The patience paid off. If people were saying back in October, they could have taken Harrison Barnes. They got James Harden because they waited for this moment. This is what they were waiting for. And it happened. Like, this is a, a huge win for the Sixers, even despite giving up Seth Curry. You got James Harden. Mahoney, what kind of James Harden are they getting? A kind. <laughs> I think I, I think a decent one. I think between mm. 
What we've seen from James before he started sitting out this recent stretch of games, we saw a version that was a little more close to his all-NBA self, a little bit closer to his superstar self, a guy who could, on this team, in this context, be an anchor for a team that could go to the East Finals and beyond. And I think the key to understanding that, the key to understanding his fit with Embiid and all these pieces, like he's just a phenomenally talented creator that's going to change so much of what the Sixers do and what they have to do and what Embiid has to carry. He recontextualizes their whole team, even if he's not the exact player we saw three, four years ago in the MVP race. The exact size player. Um, Chris Ryan, it's time. Diehard Philadelphia 76ers. On so many Ringer podcasts, we rarely treat ourselves to a Chris Ryan appearance here on the BS podcast. You know, you're you're all over the place. You're like one of those A-list rappers that just hops on other people's tracks all the time. I, I never, right. I'm always afraid to book you. <laughs> you can't um, afford me. My feature fee is way too high for you. So Ben Simmons quits on your team during the Atlanta series. I recall that, Bill. Thank you. I don't know if you remember that part. <laughs> and Doc Rivers hurts his feelings. Clutch gets involved and he just decides I'm not playing anymore. I'm going to take my ball and go home. Mm -hmm. At any point, did you think James Harden was going to come out of this? No, absolutely not. We were talking about like DeJounte Murray and Jakob Podol and like, like some, <laughs> some pick swaps. We were talking about CJ McCollum and Robert Covington. We were talking about 80 cents on the dollar, but dealer Daryl, you know, and let me tell you this, Bill, I defy you to go back through my last 10 years of written work or podcasting. I've always loved James Harden. I've always <laughs> loved his game. I think his commitment to his teams is unquestioned. I think his MRIs are always just, they look like rainbows popping out of a meadow. <laughs> I'm sure that his left hand is fine. His right hamstring is fine, whatever. Uh yeah, this is this is why you move mountains to get Daryl Morey because Daryl Morey can move mountains. Like, because this is the kind of trade that he can make. Um, I I probably at various points had talked myself into Demonis Sabonis or talked myself into CJ McCollum or talked mm. myself into Dejounte Murray, but James Harden is an objective upgrade over Ben Simmons. He got a better player for the player he traded. Well, so KOC. You assume Ben Simmons is never coming back, right? If you're Philly, you're making this trade. So really the upgrade is Seth Curry to James Harden would be the upgrade unless there's a scenario that the trade deadline passes and then Simmons never, you know, he basically is like, all right, fine, I'll play. I'm costing myself too much money. And then you have the Simmons-Curry situation. You have Simmons being interjected into this weird season, the Embiid stuff, the Doc Rivers stuff. So on on paper... On paper, Harden is much better than Seth Curry. With that said, I really like the way Seth Curry and Joel Embiid played together. And I thought Seth Curry was really valuable for them. And he was able to move. And we've seen Embiid. We talked about this little Sunday night, the little dribble handoffs that Embiid can do, all this stuff. I don't see Harden with a lot of movement. So I guess we've never seen Harden he's with been a center. He's been saving it. He's been he's, saving it up. I, I, that, that's, that's the case. But James Harden with a center, I assume we see point guard James. Mahoney, I'm going to come to you after this, but what version of James do we see with Joel Embiid? So with James Harden, I mean, like, you're not going to see the, the motion. You're not going to see the movement of Seth Curry. It's just going to be something different. You're going to see Joel Embiid doing different things as well. Because with Embiid, he's never had a playmaking point guard like James Harden. And, and that, that's why like, I'm, I've been so excited about the idea of this. Harden gets to play with a big for the first time 
that has the the impact and the ability of Joel Embiid and B gets a playmaker like Harden. You're going to see those guys run a lot more pick and roll together. I mean, to me, like that's the first thing Doc Rivers and that coaching staff needs to integrate is like, how can we design like pick and roll plays to maximize this Harden and Embiid combination? Um, so you're going to see less handoff actions, maybe more pick and roll. I think that's the way you'll see it distributed. But Mahoney, Mahoney, is that good to screw with? how incredible Embiid's been this year? I mean, if the season that is today is the MVP and now you're bringing somebody who Embiid has to adjust to. I think he has to adjust to him, but there's nothing wrong with diversifying a little bit of what Embiid does just because there's so many possessions where he has to catch it 18, 20 feet from the basket and just make something happen. Those are now James Harden possessions or they're pick and roll possessions involving them both. And we've had so much time to stew on what these two guys could look like together. I keep coming further and further toward the idea of Joel Embiid as just like seven-foot Chris Paul, basically, as a James Harden partner. The Mm. idea that these guys, they intersect, they're a big and a guard, they're going to run pick and roll, but the Sixers are going to be defined by how dominant those guys can be individually in their spaces. Harden on the perimeter, Embiid on the block, they're going to have tons of isolation opportunities still and post-up opportunities still. And if they can be as good as CP and Harden were together, the Sixers are going to be a dominant team. At least on at least on that side of the ball, Chris, are you excited that one of the preeminent playoff losers of our lifetime, James Harden, is being paired up with the guy who has lost more game sevens and blown three one more three one leads than any coach in NBA history, Doc Rivers? Do you think that <laughs> it cancels each other out? Is it two wrongs make a right? <laughs> You're such a prick. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to ask me a real question. Of course I'm worried about that. Yeah, I'm worried about it. Yeah. What I'm really go wrong? I mean, Doc Rivers is, I mean, he gets along with his players and nothing bad ever happens. James Harden is always so reliable in the playoff rounds. Well, look, I mean, I think that the one thing you get going for you here is that Harden is going to be, I think, on what constitutes for him best behavior, right? So he comes into a situation where he is essentially asked out of two teams in two years to get to two Philly. years, one year in one year, two seasons. Um, I want to know what is the bond between Harden and Maury? Have we ever seen a star player and a GM have this kind of relationship where the guy is like, I'm going to go to a team where I might be a part of the most intoxicating, historically efficient supernova offense in NBA history. But what I really want to do is hang out with Daryl. I, I, you know, like I'm actually just like mystified as to why Harden is like, forget the Kyrie stuff, forget the KD's being hurt stuff. Joe Harris isn't coming back. Did he really not want to run Steve Nash's offense? Did he really want more ISOs? Like, what is the, what is the like gravitational pull that Maury and Harden have for one another? I obviously feel like the Sixers are going to benefit from it, but. I'm really curious if we've never seen this before where a star players like wherever that GM goes, I follow. <laughs> How much they, of it is Daryl? Is it I just Daryl Morey or, or is it like Tad Brown and Meek Mill and Michael Rubin and can, like Joel Embiid as well? Say that sentence like one more time just to like live <laughs> yeah. it a little bit. It's so cliche <laughs> when KFC drops those names all no, but it's like, No, no, where, it's the truth though. What planet are we on? Is it no, Meek but, Mill and Michael Rubin? No, like, no what I'm, just saying, I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying like in terms of relationships, that matters. But what really makes it appealing is Joel Embiid. Like you can have all those relationships that talk you into something, but the real appeal is the product on the court itself. And Bill, that's you Joel just got Embiid. Your, you, you got your Celtics trade, Bill. 
What is Josh it? Josh Richardson for uh, the Spurs for Derek White, right? Yeah. Josh Richardson to the Spurs for Derek White? Yeah. Kind of like Derek White. Interesting. So does that mean there's a second trade now? I don't know. Let's let's go, we'll come back to that. Yeah, okay. I just I just wanted to see your face when you found yeah, out you were Jesus. getting Derek White. You know, like <laughs> I think Derek White's good. KOC, yeah, Derek White's good. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Mahoney, like you like Derek White? Good player oh, for them. Yeah. All right, we'll come back to that. Um, KOC, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were talking no, about. No, it's all good. It's all good. No, no listen, I, I, mean... I want him to rattle off those names again. So Meek Mill, <laughs> Michael Rubin, who else did you have in there? No, I mean it's like the, what I mean is the name. The names are what they are, but they're not as important as the appeal of Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the stuff that you mentioned, Chris, does matter. Like we, I don't think we can forget the fact that James Harden has to, you know, play with a part-time player and KD's out. I think all of these factors have to be in consideration. Like it makes sense. Forget about all the relationships and all that for basketball reasons. To me, like like Rob said, the interior force of Joel Embiid and the perimeter that that, that James Harden provides those guys together, like on paper, if they buy in completely, that could be a perfect match. Again, Harden has to see that. And maybe the relationships help talk him into that. But like what they're talking about, like there's something actually real there is my underlying point here. You know, no, it's and real. I, I agree with you. It's just, it's not like he's leaving the Pacers. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I, I'm, I'm just yeah. surprised that he would be in a situation like Brooklyn and that Brooklyn, it, it, in those brief moments we saw of the Brooklyn trio together, it was like, well, you just that this will be unsolvable. Like this is like you can't guard this team. You, there will always be an open shooter, and the shooters that they have will make those shots. And obviously, I think that they were so top heavy, and they bet on a bunch of veterans that didn't pan out, or Blake Griffin collapse and Millsap, and like all the guys that they were like, we can get some some juice here and there from these guys. A couple of minutes here and there, it didn't work out this season, and the Kyrie situation wound up metastasizing, but. I'm kind of surprised. I mean, like, I'm, I'm flattered. I'm really, it's awesome that he's like, I like Philly is the spot to be. Yeah. Like, I'm flattered that somebody <laughs> would be like, I'm going to Philadelphia. Like, I want to get traded away from Kevin Durant to go to play in Philadelphia. Mahoney, any case that there's some buyer's remorse here for Harden with how this played out where he had a choice between Philly and the Nets, right? For basically that first month of the NBA season, it, it became this two two team race to try to get him. And he picks Durant. And from everything I heard, it was Durant pushing, pushing, pushing. It was Durant and Harden together. Them trying to convince Joe Psy uh, the week of to finally make the move, to throw in a little more. Finally, the Nets throw in more to make the trade. He ends up going there. And I wonder at what point Harden reached where he goes, what did I do? It's probably this year, right? It's probably when the Kyrie stuff snowballs. But was it last year? Was it this year? Because... We, I mean, Jackie, when KOC and I were on with her a couple of days ago, she was saying how, by all accounts, and KOC was agreeing, that it was kind of Harden's, was the leader of last year's team in a lot yeah. of ways. Like, he was the rock. So do you think this was all Kyrie-related, or what would have been the other factors here? Well, immediately, this goes down as one of the great what-ifs of NBA history. If those mm-hmm. three guys had been able to be on the court and healthy in last year's playoffs, this season... Because we'll never see it again. We'll never get the chance to see a team, a super team that barely had a chance to play together at all. I think Simmons is going to be a really great fit, but then not getting a real crack at this. I, I, I find I find it hard not to place some blame on Kyrie. I don't think we get here 
if Kyrie Irving is a full-time, fully active member of the Brooklyn Nets. I just don't think that happens. I don't think the frustration levels reach the way they do. I don't think the losing streaks reach the way they do. Maybe it's unfair to place the blame solely on him because there's obviously more complicated factors in play here, but it's it's tough to read this situation, whether you're looking at Harden's buyer's remorse or the Nets buyer's remorse or however you want to panel it. Kyrie has to be a central figure and a central figure to receive some blame in exactly the way things have gone down. That said, maybe the, maybe the Nets win the championship with Ben Simmons. I don't know. He's <laughs> he's kind of exactly what they need in very different ways. Yeah, and I want to talk about that in a second because the Ben Simmons piece of this is so much fun, the Brooklyn thing. I mean, we just haven't seen Ben Simmons play basketball. Chris, do you think this was the equivalent of KD is, you know, two years out of college living in like Austin and it's, he's in a three bedroom apartment and he's living with Kyrie and Harden's thinking of moving to Boston. And he's like, you should move in. I ha- we but have Ky- another bedroom. Kyrie's only there three nights a week. Yeah. It's like, oh, Kyrie's, <laughs> Kyrie's cool, man. Yeah. He's not there. He's, he's never there at all. You love it. No, you should get this bedroom. It's a great place. No, you'll like Kyrie. I swear to God, he's the best. And then Harden gets there and, you know, it's an, and it's a disaster from the get go. And he's trying to figure out how to sublet his room on Craig Craigslist within like five minutes. It does feel like it has that feel where Duran is like the only person in the last five years who has truly bought into Kyrie. Who, who are the other people? It's really just him. Yeah, I mean, I think that their kind of idea that they were going to go to Brooklyn, that Nash was going to show up and that they would essentially be uh, the figureheads for the franchise was a pretty like enticing idea because not a lot of players get to have that kind of that kind of like ability to shape something with the ex- exception of like LeBron. But yeah. to me, it's like the Durant's voice is the one that I think is the quietest here. And everybody made a uh, note that he like liked an Instagram post that Woj had done where it was basically like Harden wants out. He just doesn't want to do a public trade request. And then, then that Kevin liked that photo. I'm so like kind of over reading the tea leaves of this. I think it would be yeah. really interesting to just to candidly hear from him about like how he feels about it. Because it could be something as simple. He has a podcast. He did (laughs) did an episode last week. We could have heard from him. But it's like, I want to hear about like, it could be something as simple as what you're talking about, Bill, which is that like guys who are friends who see each other six times a year maybe also don't want to spend every waking moment with one another. You know what I mean? And that that, that what they thought was going to work out, even if it had a lot of potential, that Harden wants his own team or wants to be kind of like in a zone where he's playing for somebody in Daryl who totally knows what he's buying. That's the one thing I have confidence in is that Daryl Morey has been down this road with James Harden yeah. for long enough that if there's anybody who knows how to handle James, quote unquote, it's definitely going to be Morey, right? Yeah. Well, that makes like, it sound kind of sweet. Like two people who accept each other for all their flaws, <laughs> making eyes at each other across the room after all these years. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, it's like Leo and Kate Winslet. You That's know, right. they just they had a magical time on Titanic and they just love working together. You know, KOC Mahoney brought up the what if factor of this, which, you know, it definitely is hanging over all of this. Like what we saw from the Nets in that first round and how we watched that. And we're like, oh my God, this is, has a chance to be the greatest offensive team we've ever seen. It's interesting to me that Harden's been involved now in two of the biggest what ifs of the last 50 years of the league, right? Because the Harden trade was the first one, which we certainly got enough mileage out of at Grantland and all over the place. Different, Maybe maybe a third one with the Rockets, Warriors, Chris, and the, Chris Paul and mm-hmm. the Chris too. Paul injury. Yeah. And that's like in that what if so-and-so didn't get injured camp? Different bracket. Yeah, it's but still a valuable one, right? Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of those too. 
This one is more like, what would that team have been like? And in the OKC case, we only saw it that one year, but it was a really young version of Harden. And I remember at the time writing that I thought Harden had a chance to be like Manu Ginobili 2.0. He's clearly like transcended that in all these different ways. We, But we did get to see these guys together. And the Boston series ends up becoming like a 30 for 30. <laughs> it's like those, I remember watching the Celtic fan being like, this sucks. Like we're, we're done for the decade. These guys and... And now, now it's it's over. But hey, do you think if Harden doesn't hurt his hamstring in the playoffs last year, that this trade even happens? Or do you think it was just all of these little events that now lead to this crazy event? I mean, it's both of those things, really. I mean, maybe they win it all last year if these injuries don't happen. Um, that, like with this Nets team, like, I, it really is a shame we, we won't get to see them again at, at peak strength. I mean, because they were... It's absolutely unbelievable to watch last season. It's all falling apart because of all those little things that kept adding up, like you said, Bill. Um, but with this Nets team, though, I mean, ultimately, like in some ways, it's it's kind of a like they they maintain throughout. Everybody you talk through around the Nets, they maintain that they believe that with KD, Harden, and Kyrie, that they were the best team in basketball with those guys healthy. They truly believe mm -hmm. that. I think even after doing the deal, the question now is like with getting Simmons and Curry, does does this actually make them better though? Does, does it actually make them better because of what Ben Simmons could provide there because of Seth Curry kind of he can add more of that movement and shooting like we talked about that's that Philly's losing now Brooklyn gets that movement and that shooting and they can play with that around Ben Simmons who can do everything Blake Griffin does with dribble handoff actions short roll switching on defense like, I feel like the Nets come out of this we're not going to get to see that version of them again but they come out better on paper at least with what they could be it's a, it seems like potentially a more reliable team, except for the part that one of the guys involved is somebody who decided not to play basketball for the last nine months. Yeah. On, I mean, paper. <laughs> on paper. <laughs> yes, yes. Right. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax, knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. This episode is brought to you by Burger King, which has the greatest commercial song I think I've ever heard. The ultimate hunger hack has arrived, my friends. BK's Royal Crispy Wraps. Choose from four bold flavors, classic, spicy, honey mustard, and the new, drum roll please, fiery buffalo. Oh yeah, I'm getting that one. They're only, only just $2.99 each because at BK, have it your way, you roll. Try Royal Crispy Wraps at Burger King, $2.99 each. Price and participation vary, US only. I actually do think Brooklyn... Might be more fun to watch. So Mahoney, let's talk this through. Yeah. You have Simmons in the 25-year-old version of how good Blake Griffin looked 
for a month and a half last year in that spot. Like the undersized five, pushing the ball in transition. You might be able to run some low post stuff where he passes out of low post and whatever else, rebounding, and he's going to be able to guard the other team's best defender. Curry, who I think is, has turned into a kind of a, kind of a gem of an offensive player. I, I really, really nice enjoy player. watching him. Like he can create shots. He can play off other people. He just seems like he'd be fun to play with. That's been the case for a couple of years. So you have those two, you have Durant, you have Kyrie. Doesn't look like we have Joe Harris. Who's my fifth for crunch time? And what does that lineup look like? It's Patty, right? Yeah. Maybe small with Patty. That's really small. I mean, Ky- Kyrie I mean, here's Curry the thing, and like, Patty I, Mills. I, I really love Seth Curry, but I, 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 w- I do have memories of Seth Curry being like a pretty big defensive liability in the playoffs. You know, like it, yeah. it, it's really sweet. Like he's a nice dude and he he's an awesome offensive player. And I know that Embiid loves the, like the guy who can curl around him and run all these figure eights and like work off the ball and then nail it open three. But Seth Curry in May is not the same thing as Seth Curry in February. You know, but, like, it, but what it allows you is you have with Curry and with Kyrie at every point of the game, you have somebody who can be a little bit of a creator as a guard, right? So I don't know how Curry and Kyrie And then can you can let together. Simmons, Simmons can guard Trey Young or Simmons can guard Middleton or Holiday or whatever. Like Simmons can take the toughest perimeter defensive assignment that you've got. So Rob, who's the, who's the crunch time guy? Who's that fifth guy? Is it somebody that's not on the team yet? Is it Aldridge? Could it be Aldridge, Durant, Kyrie, Mills? Simmons and then Curry that Curry's not in crunch time. So basically Curry's your Kyrie protection, I guess. I still feel like you want another big out there. And some of that is Simmons. Simmons is a great theoretical five. Yeah. When he's been actually asked to play five or guard fives or rebound like a five, it doesn't always go so well. It doesn't always work exactly the way you would want it to, to the point where I think I would want a little bit more size alongside him, a little bit more support there wherever that ends up coming from, whether it's Aldridge or Claxton or maybe someone to be named later. But the combination of what he gives you defensively, guarding perimeter guys, being able to switch, and then offensively, I don't know that you can find a better fit in terms of like a full-court menace and a half-court shot maker than Simmons with Kyrie or Simmons with Durant. Like Those guys just, their games synergize so smoothly in a way that all the questions about, you know, Harden having the ball, how are we going to balance this stuff or that? It just goes away. Like, it, it becomes super clean when everyone is out there um, in, a, in a way that I think could be really, really challenging for other teams to keep up with. That's why I think with the end game, like finishing lineups here, it depends. I mean, sometimes in certain lineups, it might be a small ball team with Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons at the four and the five. But other times it might be Aldridge. It might be Claxton. It might be Curry. Like it's going to vary on a night to night basis, which kind of speaks to there's these reports about Harden likes to have a fixed in game lineup. The Nets want to be flexible and have different teams out there. Steve Nash is going to have a lot of fun with the lineup combinations. It could even be like Kessler Edwards who's been a pretty good 3 and D guy for them. Like It could vary on a night-to-night basis with what they throw out there to end the game. I think could Steve, Nash is, Steve Nash is the big winner of this trade, right? Because he oh, was yeah. in this untenable situation with, you just don't want unhappy, overweight James Harden at any point if you're a coach. And then you have Kyrie, who's top five guys you wouldn't want uh, probably in the last five years. And then Durant coming off a... a Seems like a pretty significant injury considering he said that he's going to be out another three to four weeks on top of all the time he's missed already. Now, at least Nash can 
coach a little bit more. I, Chris, is the, the thought of KD and Simmons as these two kind of, I don't want to say unicorny, but close um, with all the stuff they can bring to a lineup. I guess KD is a unicorn. Simmons, I don't know. But like these two guys that you have out there, I actually like the thought of them together. I've been thinking about that a lot, assuming Simmons' head is right. And who knows? I, I mean, it's intoxicating. I wasn't necessarily like, I, I was never somebody who was like sweeping Ben out the door. I, I also had like kind of a feeling like, well, if this doesn't happen, maybe he comes back to the team water under the bridge, got to rebuild his value. Let's make a second half of the season push with with Simmons in the lineup. Maybe he gets a little bit of redemption in the playoffs. And then maybe if if it comes to that, you move on in the offseason when everything is sort of settled and Beal and, and Lillard are out there and you can kind of make a decision about what the best move is. But I'll tell you something. Like the first time this dude like swishes an above the break three-pointer... <laughs> <laughs> on the nets <laughs> there's going to be a lot of water main breaks in philadelphia like i do wonder how much of what's going on with ben outside of the the mental stuff that he's uh, that 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 people have talked about him going through is just a, a circumstantial environmental thing where it's like you know he's been playing with joel his entire career they've had a lot of turnover on that team there was the the sort of feds version of the team. There was the Jimmy Butler version of the team. There's been this iteration that's like Joel, Tobias, and Ben as the as the big three there. This I love what you're doing here. This is great. Keep going. What am am I talking myself into Ben Simmons just needed a change of scenery? This yeah. is the Ben Simmons enabler playbook that Clutch sent Chris like a week ago. No, I forgot like, to mention who will points. be negotiating my next deal with you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Should Rich just text you or yeah. like, do, you, do you guys yeah, want to meet for it. coffee? Inter I think you'll find my demands incredibly reasonable. It is. This is the best thing possible for Ben Simmons, though, which is it's just so funny that it worked out for him when he handled it just horribly really since last June, that's usually not the case where you right have now, Ben Simmons wins and Harden wins. Who's quit on two teams in a year. 15 minutes after this happened, this is like a weird win-win, you know, Daryl Morey got a better player than the one he had for the trade. Yeah. The Nets obviously got to the point where one of their three-star players did not want to play there anymore. And instead they get back basically everything they need. Somebody under contractual control, someone who plays defense every night, someone who's unselfish, and you think maybe in this new context with Steve Nash and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and whoever else, that some of the things in his game that have been Achilles heels turn into like, well, okay, we, this is passable now. We just need you to do this. We just need you to do that. James Harden's not going to have any pro problems playing the Doc Rivers offense. There's not a lot of movement in it already. You know, like there's basically the Rip Hamilton role that runs around Joel and everybody else kind of stands around. So... I mean, I think that J James will probably have like a pretty smooth, seamless transition into the Sixers system. Well, we're going to find out once and for all if Ben Simmons likes playing basketball. And I know that's a harsh thing to say, but I stand by it. Because we've seen, we saw in LSU, he barely wanted to finish that season. We've seen some pretty bizarre behavior with the Sixers. And we've seen somebody who is willing to throw away a year of his career as he was entering his prime when he was still trying to get better as a basketball player and set $20 million on fire that he's not getting back. And now he's in a really good situation, right? He's gets to play with Durant, who I think we all think if he's healthy, the road still goes through him. He is still, mm -hmm. it's either him or Giannis. It's one A, one B. And we could argue about that till the cows come home. Um, he's got Steve Nash, Beloved guy by all counts. One of the most beloved teammates of the last 20 years and somebody who I think has kept a pretty even keel during one of the most bizarre 14-month runs 
a coach has had. And he's got some offensive firepower where it's not going to matter if he takes three shots in seven game sevens in that series, right? Casey, what am I missing? What else is perfect about this for him? I mean, I think with Simmons here, like, what if Kyrie becomes full time as well? I mean, we'll see if the New York Which City vaccine mandate. Soon. Yeah, it, it could, I mean, uh, surrounding states are doing that. Connecticut did it, so maybe New York at some point will. Well, they're as well, they're so. lifting the indoor mask mandate, but I don't know that they're changing the vaccine mandate. Not, in New not York. yet for New York. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and, but maybe and at the some mayor point of New York April. has kind of suggested that he's not looking to change that. He suggested yeah. a lot of things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He he has. He said don't follow all the science. We'll we'll see how that at develops. one a.m. But... Rouse, Eric Adams <laughs> was like, "Let me tell you something. <laughs> follow the science should work out great." Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Casey. Uh, we'll, we'll, keep going. We'll, we'll we'll see how things develop in New York. But I mean, for Ben Simmons here, like you're you're right, Bill. That with Simmons, we are going to find out if he loves basketball. But I think we're also going to find out like how adaptable he really is too. Um, because like now he's going to be in a situation where. If Kyrie's on the floor, Ben Simmons is in the half court is going to have to be that screener, the handoff guy. When Kyrie's not playing, he'll be more of like a, a guy, the idealized role that Clutch has wanted for him for so long. The guy who's running the offense and has Kevin Durant flanking him and Seth Curry by his side and a bunch of shooters. So, I mean, like he's going to have to be adaptable and fit into different roles more than ever before. And with Simmons... I'm excited to see that from him. I I, re, I really think like for so long I've bashed Simmons like doesn't shoot like uh, the stuff at LSU you mentioned, but now he's finally in a situation where I don't feel like fit is even a concern on my mind. It's just about him actually doing it. Um, so we're about to really find out a lot about Ben Simmons. Yeah, I the thing is I still enjoy watching him play basketball. I think oh, what yeah. happened in the playoffs. Totally. Was you can, absolutely you, brutal. You can but, tell how interesting he is by the fact that we're spending so much time talking about a guy who hasn't played basketball this season. Yeah, and the he last time we saw him play basketball was like a, one of the weirder, more awkward moments in an NBA game that any of us are going to remember is the him dumping it off to Thibault. But like right. he is an amazing player to watch. Like that's why we're like, oh shit. Well, what mm -hmm. if this works? And it's like we haven't even talked about really like what this means for Embiid or whether the Sixers are yeah. contenders in the Eastern Conference. It's immediately it's like, do these dudes just now have a 6'10 passing wizard who loves to D up the opposing team's best best offensive player? Mahoney, Harden's not the same guy he was three years ago. How much not of the same guy is he from three years ago? I think he, he's not at the point where giving him the ball and clearing out of his way is enough in itself to make you basically a contending team. He was at that point before. I think now he needs more help. He needs more space. And more importantly, he needs guys around him who can catch and shoot pretty quickly. And that's kind of what I would worry about for the Sixers, especially, you know, Curry kind of has a slower release to begin with. He's gone now anyway. Do they have enough shooting who, in terms of guys who are going to get those hot potato last three seconds of the shot clock dishes from James Harden when he can't create, when he can't get where he wants to go. Is that in Tobias Harris's bag? I worry about that a little bit. But then I think about James Harden and Joel Embiid and just the, if I'm an opposing coach, the idea of having to match up with those guys at the same time is overwhelming to me. It, it, it gives me nightmares just thinking about that. Rob, are you saying that uh, Isaiah Joe's zero points, four <laughs> fouls in nine minutes against the Mavericks line didn't didn't make you see stars. <laughs> I'm saying get ready for a lot more Furkan Korkmaz three feet behind the three-point line threes because they're coming. One way or another, they're coming. I have breaking news. My dad has weighed in on the Harden trade <laughs> with, with three words. 
Anyone want to guess the three words? I like Nets, Derek White. Nets fleeced <laughs> Philly is my dad's take. Wow. That was a fleecing. Fleece. I got to say, I, I really like what they got back for a guy who didn't want to be here and who made it be there and made it clear that he was leaving. I thought, and maybe in part two, we can talk about some of the reporting of this story. I thought the reporting was absolutely bizarre. And that yesterday turned into this Woj versus Windhorst on the same ESPN <laughs> team, basically, with two completely different pieces of info. My info was that it was the Nets wanted Simmons and Curry. And that was the framework. And unless that was the fr- unless that was the framework, they weren't doing a deal. Those were the two pieces they wanted because the piece that everybody forgets about this is you have KD. You just gave KD an extension. You're trying to win a title with KD. You still have one of the best players in the league, if not the best player in the league. You still have a responsibility to make a trade that maybe doesn't make you better, but at least doesn't make you worse. So, you know, for me, it's like, all right, if they don't have Joe Harris back, they clearly needed an extra shooter. Curry mm-hmm. gives them that. And Simmons gives them a different look that, you know, maybe maybe they actually needed. I I don't know. I, I, I think it's weird that up until yesterday, we were pretending that both sides weren't talking about the trade. And it's like Sean Marks, this is Woj over and over again. Sean Marks and Daryl Morey have not seriously talked. The two teams were talking. You can say it's like intermediaries, the owners, whatever. But it's I don't think this was a case of like, the GM's going, let's hammer this out. Daryl was talking to somebody. The Sixers are trying to figure it out. And they had this window to get hard. And KOC, I've known Daryl since 2005. He's always had this two superstar theory. I was never convinced he was giving away Simmons. I always felt like worst case scenario, Sabonis. That's why I said a couple weeks ago, I thought at least he's going to get an asset back that you can potentially spin into something else. Um, but this is the two superstar theory in action. He's always felt like this is a huge league, 30 teams. If I can have two of the top 15, two of the top 12, that's where I want to be. I am not making a trade that makes my odds for the finals go down. Do you feel like the odds for the finals has gone down for Philly? Because FanDuel says they're up. They are now plus 650 to win the, uh, the finals. Brooklyn is plus 420. Do you like this? version of Philly more than you like whatever the the highest potential of Simmons was that they'd gotten his head right with Curry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like All it's right. not even close. Yeah. Like that's okay. not even comparable. Say it a couple of times because it's James Harden. Like I, I yeah. hate James Harden and like I can't believe he's going to play for the The gamblers Sixers. agree with you. Yeah. I mean Harden Harden it, like I think these last three, four weeks or whatever, are we going to look back at that and be like, oh, he deserves an Oscar for that? Mm. Because like, Rope is he just going to... Yeah, I mean, is he just going to start dropping 40 points and start looking like the same guy? Because we saw him do this in Houston. He tanked his way out of there. Now we know he wanted to leave Brooklyn for sure. I mean, he might have tanked his way out of here as well. So I, I think with Harden... I'm not even like when it comes to evaluating, I'm not even factoring in the last month. It's really what happened last season and maybe early season before everything went to crap here for Brooklyn. Um, I mean, I, I think with James Harden, he's he wants this. He wanted it in Brooklyn, like you said earlier. Got the best behavior from Harden last year. Philly's about to get Harden on his best behavior. Of course, the odds should go way up. Yeah. Well, well the question the question about the odds isn't is Philly better? It's did they make the Nets? good to the point that they are now a more serious problem. Because entering into this trade, 
I think we got to the space, weirdly enough, where Brooklyn was almost the more desperate team to make a move, which is mm. how guys like Thibel and Maxi are not in it. Yeah. Even though Curry was a priority and it ends up with picks instead. Or Andre Drummond, who we have not mentioned yet, but is also technically in this <laughs> deal. I, you know, if, if we think the Nets are this good, if we think that Simmons is an upgrade for their situation and their fully functional team, I, I'm not sure what it means for the Sixers to have another team that's that formidable in their way. Yeah, that's they, what one of the weird things about this trade, right? You have, you would think these are two of the three teams with a chance to get out of the East if you're making your list. I think Chicago would have been on there for me, but I have no idea who's going to be healthy for them in April and May. So I think these are the three best bets. You so rarely see the two teams trade with each other. And plus, Chris, I know you have just decades of animosity with the Nets. I mean, what a rivalry. Nets yeah, Sixers. who can forget those nights at the Meadowlands with dozens of people in the, Eight, in the crowd? 1984 you know? <laughs> when they upset the Sixers. I mean, lots of memories. You have to take five trains to get to the game. And then like, <laughs> no, you know, I was kind of thinking about I was wondering whether you guys felt like the Sixers become get that much closer to Milwaukee or is this kind of a sideshow and there's actually like a pretty big gap between the Bucks and even the Heat and the Nets and the Sixers even if even with all this movement even with all this talent aboard but like in terms of the totality of the teams the continuity of the coaching the style of play the so obviously like those two teams are really rolling right now and I have to admit I'm pretty I was, I've just been adoring Chicago this season when they have yeah. all their guys. So if a healthy Chicago is also in the mix, I don't think it's like a fait accompli that this is like, we're going to see these teams. I mean, Joel Embiid might go home in the second round again, you know? Well, the sneaky thing about uh, today, because the Harden trade is going to blow everything out of the water, is the Bucks kind of stole Serge Ibaka, like mm -hmm. for, for nothing. And I went to a Clipper game last week where Serge looked like Serge. Like he, I, I, I thought he was at the point of his career was basically over, too many injuries. I didn't know what was going on with him. The guy I saw last week was like, this guy could absolutely play in a playoff series and have an impact. He's exactly what Milwaukee needed. They stole him. And in general, I, I think we've all felt like Milwaukee, forget about the record, like they're going to be there when it actually matters and they still have Giannis 100%. But putting a Bach on that team I still think that's the team to beat. So let's go around the horn. KOC, who's your team to beat in the East right now? Philadelphia. Wow, you were so in on this hard engine. I can't believe this. Hey, Kev, you, do you think do you think it's Philadelphia now or Philadelphia after the buyout market or at the end of the day? Like, do you think that they need a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, like it's it's always good to add more. Um, I, I just think with Embiid and Harden, those two guys together with their ability to alternate interior perimeter, there's no, there's besides Milwaukee, like that's one of the things that makes Milwaukee so dominant is they can get buckets with Middleton and Holiday on the perimeter. Giannis can do everything inside. I just think the variety of ways that they're going to be able to beat you um, is going to be really, really, really hard for some of these other teams in the East to stop. Like with the Nets, they're better. Who is their guy for Embiid for a seven game series? Um, I think you can ask that same question even with Miami and Chicago. Like I, I think Embiid is that much of a force add in one of the game's best perimeter scorers. To me, they're the favorite today on paper. On paper. Mahoney, who do you have? I'm still Bucks. When those me guys too. are healthy, they're amazing. And I, I just have visions of Drew Holiday going against James Harden defensively for a seven-game series and just making his life totally miserable. That'd and so every ache and pain in your hamstring, <laughs> let me tell you, it gets 50 times worse when Drew Holiday is guarding you. I would you love know, to watch that. Chris, before we get your answer, I was thinking about 
for years, it was like the West was the loaded when we got to the playoffs, like round two in the West would be good. Sometimes you could even get one good round one series because they might have five really yeah. good teams or six. It's going to happen this year in the East. Yeah, you look at the East, like the standings right now, where we didn't even talk about Miami yet. And assuming they're going to be healthy too. And we could have Miami, Milwaukee, Chicago, this beloved Cleveland team, Philly. Who just keep winning. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Philly's five. And Toronto, they made, I didn't totally understand the Thad Young thing. I thought if they were going to use the Dragic thing, I thought they could do a little better than that. We'll talk about that later. And then you have the Celtics at seven, and you have Brooklyn at eight. So there's a chance Brooklyn, there's a world in which they could play Miami, Milwaukee, and Philly. And so, like, who knows where Brooklyn's record is going to end. But you might have to actually play all three of those teams all three rounds. I think the mix and match with the East is going to be incredible. So part of me is like, I don't really care. I have, I've had trouble getting into this regular season and the storylines just because it feels like the playoffs are going to be substantial in a lot of ways. And then the West, there's less good teams, but same thing. But man, we're going to have one awesome first round matchup. Yeah. Like really like we're going to be like, wow, how is this the first round? Like that year, what was it? San Antonio Phoenix, like 2008, or we had San Antonio mm. and the Clippers in 2015 where you're like, wow, this could have been a conference finals. I and, think and that's going to happen with this. That first round in the Eastern Conference has a spillover effect into the second half of the regular season because yeah. people, teams might be jockeying a little bit for seeding. And teams also might not want to like sleepwalk into the playoffs and get tuned up in the first round. You know, this is not going to be a cakewalk Daniel Gafford Wizards team you see in the first round. Like you're going to get somebody pretty good. There's no they, cakewalk. The Celtics will be the worst of the eight playoff teams. Right. Think about that. And they might not even make it if there's like yeah. a playing thing. I wouldn't want to play so Toronto in a playoff series. Are you saying that Boston series? is going to go into the playoffs being like, you think you're better than me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how do we explain the Siakam thing? The guy had like 27, 15, and 8 the other night or something. But he all of a sudden, he looks like a top 20 guy in the league. I think, uh, and then you throw like Charlotte and Atlanta are the, are the 9 and 10 right now. And then it drops. I think everybody else realizes they're out. The play-in's going to be insane. The play-in's going to be absolutely sick. And if Durant doesn't come back for another week, Brooklyn's going to be in the play-in. Like, lock it down. It's happening. And if Because if Durant doesn't get back for three, four weeks, that really takes us to the last 15, 16 games of the season. I mean, so, so Ramona tweeted a couple of minutes ago about Simmons is going to be working with a therapist in Brooklyn, and he's really excited to get a new start. And he's already talked with Durant. But like, I don't think Simmons is playing tomorrow the way like Sabonis played for the Kings last mm -hmm. night. I think it's going to be a little while before he comes back. So there could be some nights where they don't have Kyrie, Durant, or Simmons out there. It's going to be Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and Patty Mills. And you have right now they're 29 and 25 in the eighth spot. They're only three games ahead of the Hawks. And who knows? It's Right now it's 11-11 as we're taping this. I, the Hawks are the wild card for me because... I don't know if you looked at their tax stuff, like they're going to get crushed by the tax next year. And so it's either now or in the summer, if they even care about that, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, if Brooklyn fell to 10, they would have to win two playing games on the road. And then they would go against the one seed, which could be, you know, Miami, Milwaukee, who knows? <laughs> or, or it could be Philly. Like Harden could just show up and Philly could be the one seed by the time we're done with this. Right. 
Chris, you're going to be insufferable. I can feel it. <laughs> no, I'll be measured, Bill. Like, I think that I'll be pretty magnanimous. And I'm always interested in your, in your constructive feedback about how things could be going right. better. Appreciate yeah. that. Um, all right. We're going to wrap <laughs> up part one. Mahoney, you're leaving. We're going to bring in Waz. Mahoney's going to come back for the last part. KOC and Chris are staying for this one. When we come back, it'll be around 11.20 Pacific time, and hopefully we'll get some more trades. Chris, Kevin, Rob, great to Thanks, see you Thanks, Bill. Guys. Appreciate it. Thank you.